Beyond Recovering Church Girls. This is your host, Tanya Adlita, and in today's episode, we meet Rachel O'Rourke. She is the co-host of the Flawed Females, the podcast, and the founder of Spark Summit Events. And can you believe that we managed to get her just a few days before her third annual event, which is just amazing that she would take time out of such a busy production schedule to be a part of everything that we're doing here at Recovering Church Girls. Without a moment to lose, we're going to jump right into the conversation, and she tells us a little bit more about what Spark really is. Welcome back to Recovering Church Girls. I have with me Rachel O'Rourke. And hello, Rachel. I'm so excited for this conversation. Oh my gosh. I am so excited too. I've been looking forward to this. I think we've had this scheduled for like a month. Seriously, at least. Um, And by the way, if you don't already know, I'm your host, Tanya Adlita. You guys know who I am by now, but I want you to know who Rachel is. She is the co-host of the podcast, The Flawed Females, and she's also the founder of Spark. And your next event is coming up really soon at the end of September, right, Rachel? It is. I think Tell we're like more. 64 days away. Not that I'm <laughs> Not counting. That you're counting or anything. <laughs> yeah. So it's the, it's the third annual Spark Summit for Women. It's a two-day self-development conference that includes a bunch of high-impact, amazing TED Talk style speakers, a lot of different activity leaders, like we're doing a group hypnosis session on manifestation, this one. Really just a lot of connection, meditation, deep diving into our own personal growth. And it's just so freaking special. I'm so excited that we're so close to the next one. Oh my goodness. That sounds amazing. Uh, So I'm so glad that you mentioned that. And we will be sure to post a link in our show notes as well for anybody who wants to be there in person. And what a beautiful setup for our conversation as well, as we kind of dive into this idea of recovering church girls and almost counterbalance that with, I think, who you and I have both become now. You know, our our spirituality looks very differently than I think in many ways in in how we were raised. So when Mm. you think about this idea of recovering church girl, what does that mean for you? Oh my gosh. Well, it brings back a ton of memories. One, (laughs) because I was... Um, I actually got into church um, before my, my before my mom did. So I was raised by a single mom, and um, I got really involved in church when I was a freshman in high school. And um, I had been to church before, but like not like not super involved, but more like kind of like a, oh like you're you're forced to type thing. But I got <laughs> like really into it when I was in high school because I had a friend that went to youth group, and she invited me. And ended up staying there for almost four years and was the president of the youth group. And um, I I think that then my mom got remarried when um, I was 15 and she married a pastor's son who um, led the the worship team at church. And my mom at that point got very religious. (laughs) Uh, That would do it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And she still is. And it, so it's interesting having conversations with my mom now because I, I don't um, consider myself religious at all. I'm definitely a recovering church girl and um, very much spiritual. And um, it's interesting having conversations now with my, my mother because she doesn't quite understand. And I think she has a lot of fear around anything that's outside of the four walls of her religion. And um, I'm starting to crack her open a little bit just by showing as an example, but it's really neat to see um, how just people get really curious about your life once um, they see how amazing life can be when you think a little bit differently than what you've thought the however many years. Right. And I love that idea. And of course, you know, it's amazing to me how many scripture verses come back to my memory from all of the time, you know, in church and youth group uh, when I was young. But just this idea of, you know, live your life in such a way that people are asking the questions. You know, it works, it works in any context, uh, you know, whether it's from a scriptural perspective or from a quality of life perspective. It's that idea of, you know, really honoring that individual journey. And for me, I feel like that's 
that's kind of the crux of the issue when it we look at the construct of the church and whether it's pushing conformity or whether it's embracing the individual spiritual journey. So what did that look like for you in the sense of, you know, how did you how did you kind of untangle all of this and then end up on the spectrum that's more on the spiritual side more so than religious? Uh, well, I think I kind of got turned off by religion a bit because of those constraints, because of the, if you don't fit inside of this mold and this model, then you're going to hell or, mm. or you're not good enough. And something deep down felt wrong with me with that. Like that if God is supposed to, you know, be this loving entity, well, why would he not like you if you were gay? Or why would he not love you if you made a mistake? All of these things, or if you commit one of the, the sins, right? And I, you can't see my face, but I'm rolling my eyes right now. People. <laughs> uh, and so when I left high school, I disassociated myself with church. And I remember because I, I moved away to a different city and my mom would text me or call me every Sunday and ask me if I had gone to church. And of course, the, when I told her no, she instantly like, I'm going to pray for you. I'm gonna right. Pray for you. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> the automatic reaction. <laughs> uh, so for a while, I wasn't even, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider myself religious, nor would I consider myself spiritual. I really haven't tapped into my spirituality um, until, I, I would say beginning of 2017. But I did know it was important to me just to be a good person. Mm. And I would still kind of label myself, I guess, as Christian, but a Christian that would not, and this was rewind a couple of years ago. I wouldn't even call myself a Christian at this point, but I did for many years, but one that doesn't go to church. And um, when I met my my husband that I'm married to now, it's our, both of our second marriage, he is a non-believer. He doesn't believe in God. He, he, he believes in, I think at this point he believes in a higher power, but he's not going to put any sort of label on it whatsoever. And my mom um, was devastated like that I would even consider marrying a non-believer and what that would mean for um, my kids because I have three kids from a previous marriage. And her big thing was like, how are you going to raise your children to be, you know, children of God if he's, if there's um, somebody who doesn't even believe in God that is influencing them. And what I told her is like, listen, we both believe in, in different things and we will both share with our children the different things that we believe in and let them make a choice. And that's how I think, even if we both had the same religion, I, I would a hundred percent want them to make their own choice because I feel like so many parents force religion on their children and that can cause a lot of resentment as they get older. And, and of course, kids always also want what their parent or, you know, want the opposite of what their parents <laughs> want. Um, but the big thing for me is like, for goodness sakes, like my husband is a good person. He's a very good person and he doesn't have a, what would Jesus do sticker on his car? <laughs> um, but I can tell you, I know a lot of people that do have that sticker that are not living a good life or living as good people. And what I told my mom and I stick to this to this day is like, if, if God is real and God were to come back and he were to look at a group of people, like he would look at my husband and say, like, yes, like you are somebody who has just treated people kindly. You're a good person. And there's people inside my immediate family who are like all about like, praise God, but they're not living that life. And right. so it really just comes down to, um, just God, yeah, overall, just being a freaking good human being. <laughs> that being said, my um, my spirituality story and how I really like found like for the first time ever a connection with with God with the universe was January of 2017. I was just kind of in a, a really tough place in my life where I was my marriage was good and my family was good, but like I was like an empty shell when it came to my purpose. Mm. I was in a nine to five that I hated and I just, I knew I was supposed to be doing something and I just felt disconnected from myself and in hindsight, disconnected from, um, from source. And I read the book, You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. Love that woman. Love that book. I think I've read it five times now. And it opened up my eyes to um, really what spirituality is and like that you there are no constraints it's not like religion you can 
you can pray and you can meditate and you can um, you can have this connection with whatever has created us without having all of these fucking rules. Right. And that was so appealing to me. And from that point forward and, and started actually like putting into practice a good meditation practice and um, a gratitude practice and, and really just understanding that like God, the universe, like I am a piece of that. We all are a piece of that. It made me feel one more connected with myself, but more connected with every human being that I've come across since then. And God, life has changed drastically in the last two and a half years. I mean, I can hardly recognize myself. Uh, and it's definitely 100% because I found that connection. Mm, I love that. And I love this idea of the unity that you're feeling and experiencing now in such a way that you did not before. And I would say even or perhaps especially comparing to the time that you were in the church. Um, Cause I don't know about you, but a lot of my experience was very exclusive. You know, this idea of you needed to follow these rules, you needed to believe these precepts in order to be deemed worthy. And then especially when you're in leadership and it cracked me up when you said that you were the president of the youth group, cause I can't tell you how many of my friends, uh, as we're all coming together now as adults, how many of us were in some sort of leadership role in, uh, the church or the youth group or, you know, even in high school or, or what have you. And it just kind of, it makes me chuckle because I'm like, oh yeah, yep. We all have the signs. Yes. <laughs> we have the markings. <laughs> well, and it, it's, I think it's also this, like this, this, um, this little cursor in our lives that says, okay, like you want to be in a position to influence and to lead and to impact people. But, and I think it gave us that experience, but, mm. but it, it's, uh, it's such a, a lesson learned. I think it's made me definitely a better leader now that I'm older um, because I know what it's like to be in a religion and to be in within those the the box and the constraints. And so I feel like I can connect and speak with people on a different level and a more impactful level because of that. I love that. And you know, it's interesting. I love the the way that you mentioned you know, being able to build off of our past, because I think sometimes people assume if they haven't taken the time to kind of, you know, hang out around recovering church girls very long, they assume that it means that I'm just anti-church, anti-religion, anti all these things. And it's like, well, no, not necessarily. There's still space for each individual person to find what they need. And sometimes church is what they need. And far be it from me to be the one to say otherwise. And at the same time, I'm grateful for those experiences because I can see the contrast. I can see the growth both in and out. And then it's kind of like, okay, well, let's really tang or detangle all of these things and understand what has designed, you know, kind of who we have become now. So for you specifically with your time, not only in the church and in leadership in the church, but also, you know, going from the nine to five into becoming, you know, your own CEO and creating all of these things. What has that process been like for you? And what have you had to unlearn in the process of becoming the Rachel that you are now? Oh my gosh. I've had to unlearn a ton. I mean, there's, <laughs> I, you know, I kind of got obsessed with, with the brain and with our mind and how our mind works. And um, if you don't, already know this information and you might, our mind is made up of two parts. There's your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind houses all of the thoughts, behaviors, and beliefs that we have either thought so many times, we have heard so many times that your brain's like, okay, that is a truth. I'm going to not let you have to worry about thinking that anymore. I'm going to put it on autoplay back here in the background. And that will help like you make all of your decisions and life moves. Uh, that's 95% of our thinking is our subconscious programming. And so from a young age, um, you know, we've, we think um, specific things. Like for me, whenever anything risky would come into play, I would think like red flag, better run away. This is like, <laughs> I might die. Uh, and I had to undo that subconscious programming. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people who were raised in the church, their subconscious programming um, will tell them that certain behaviors and certain beliefs are bad. And that's really like just something that your brain has thought that it's, it's a truth now. And you, but the cool thing is, is you can reprogram that. We all can reprogram that. And the way that I have learned how to do that 
um, is through um, one, just first step is recognizing, mm -hmm. recognizing when that old programming is there. And this recently happened to me, actually, my, um, my assistant, Janelle, uh, has been part-time with me for almost a year. And um, she was really um, visualizing going full-time. And every time I would think about her being full-time with me, my mind would think about all of the horrible things that could happen if I had a full-time employee. Like, what if my business all of a sudden tanked? And then she wouldn't think that's her income. And then she would have to, all of the things. And then I had to stop and recognize that. Like, where is that programming coming from? I am thinking about the worst case scenario, which we are all kind of wired to do for survival. And... I started to like, I had to shift my mind and start consciously thinking about all of the amazing things that can happen if she was full-time. And last month I promoted her to director of operations. So I have a full-time employee now. Woo! Um, but there's like the, the recognizing piece of it is so, so important. And if you, like, if you have a belief and it's not serving you anymore, but you like, you're just wondering like, why am I even like thinking this? Like just pause and think like, I am thinking this. This is my decision. What do I actually want to think? And then for me, the thing that works the most in, in changing that programming are one, affirmations. So uh, I will write down and journal and think about, and sometimes I'll even say it out loud, um, the thoughts that I want to think. And if you say them over and over and over again, your brain will actually um, convert that into a, oh, she must mean this is actually a true thing. And then all of a sudden your, your subconscious programming changes. So when something comes to you, rather than, and I'll use me as an example, whenever risk is presented, I no longer feel like I should run for the, for the hills. I get excited. Uh, and that's all because of affirmations and through visualization and all of that fun stuff. Um, but it's, it's, there's still so many things that will follow me around that um, I have to all of a sudden that old programming can come back mm. if we don't if we don't actively plant the seeds of thoughts that we really want to think and that's why I think morning rituals or daily rituals um, is like it's so important so important because every time I get off schedule with with the rituals that help me um, all of that stuff starts to come back Oh my goodness. I could not possibly agree with you anymore. Um, and sometimes I don't understand how this happens. Every single summer, it catches me off guard. I know that my children are going to come home for the summer. I know that they're not going to be at school. And it's just amazing how quickly the routine, even my own personal routine of my morning routines and my evening routines that are anchored in so much of this experience we're talking about in terms of journaling and gratitude and meditation, and the affirmations and visualization as well. Like I've got structure around these things because that's just how I personally work. I need that structure. Yeah. And then the kids come home from school and poof, everything falls apart. A hundred percent. I don't mean to throw them under the bus. It's not them. It's me. And I think it's that idea of, you know, wanting to not miss a moment, but what ends up happening is that I miss so many moments because I'm not grounded. Mm -hmm. So, you know, really it comes back to that classic it always cracks me up. You know, we teach what we need. And so much of the work that I'm doing is on self-care and the importance of that, especially for those of us that want to go out and make a difference in the world, having that foundation of knowing who we are and being able to build and create who we want to become without that foundation, you know, it's a far more difficult process. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I was just using this analogy with somebody yesterday. I'm like, it's like, it's with your, it's like working out. If you stop working out, like your body will get weaker. It, it affects it. It's the same thing with your mind mm. or your spirit. Like if you stop doing the practices that nourish your mind or your soul, it's going to get weak. It's, it's just like the body. And then like for you, like you were mentioning, like the kids being home, that works. For, that's, that's definitely throws me for a loop as well. But for me too, it's traveling. I travel a lot to speak at different places and, um, it never fails. Like I will be, I'm like this, I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to keep on my routine, even though I'm going to be in a hotel. And then the, you know, something happens, the pillow is really cushiony or <laughs> I, you know, I stay out late networking with somebody and then I just, you know, get out of, get out of sync. But the cool thing is, is like, 
like we're all flawed. We're, we're like, we're, that's so normal. Like not like anymore. I used to be hard on myself whenever I would get off track. And now I'm just like, eh, I can get right back on. And it's yeah. just a matter of making sure the action steps are there in place to do so. Absolutely. I love that. Let's talk about that a little bit more, this idea of the self-acceptance. Um, because for me, I mean, I grew up in the church, like literally from day one, I was in the church. And if the doors were open, we were probably there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, maybe another Friday night event. So, so much of you know my identity in some way, shape or form was either wrapped up in my role in the church or by way of what I learned either implicitly or explicitly. And I think many of us kind of fall into that bucket. The one thing that we never got as part of the foundation is this idea of self-acceptance because, you know, we've all fallen and, you know, we're short of the glory of God and, you know, all of these things that there is this separation between us and divine, between us and source, and that we're supposed to use church and Jesus as the mediator to get from A to C. So yeah. with this idea, you know, self-acceptance is a, a big piece I found of this puzzle. What did that look like for you? And how did you come to really, truly embrace who you are, flaws and all? Oh my goodness. Um, I think the moment that I really had to, to really learn how to accept myself was when I went through my divorce with my first husband because so much of my identity was wrapped up in trying to be a good wife and being a mom to our three kids and uh, everything like what I thought like I was supposed to do or what I was missing, oh. I was getting from other people. Like, you know, they say that your spouse is your other half. Like, I really don't believe that. Like I, we are our whole person and I will make you a better person. You can make me a better person, but I am whole by myself. Absolutely. And it was when I went through that divorce that um, like, you know, we, for the first year we shared custody. So like he had, um, our kids 50% of the time. So half of my time I was like, I was not a wife anymore. Mm. My kids weren't there. And I had to really learn that I was okay. Like, even if I felt like I was, um, for a while still missing a piece, like I was able to find that piece. I was able to find myself and realize that like, I am not, I'm perfect as I am. And I love how you, how you mentioned that um, like we, we are a part of the divine, like we, we are pieces of this, this greater consciousness and that, um, there's really like everything that we need is within us. And it was such a learning process. This was not like an overnight thing. This was over the course <laughs> of like a couple of years and discovering this, that I don't need a spouse to make me a better person. I don't need, um, and the thing with, um, with churches, it could has really become like a family. And like, I don't, I don't need either a church family or my family family to be whole. Like I'm, I'm here and I'm whole as I am. Yeah. I can't tell you how much I relate uh, to this part of your story either. I, for me, that was exactly the same process. It was the divorce from my kid's dad that led this, you know, deeper inquiry really to who I am. I remember um, it's Plato's quote, the idea of the unexamined life is not worth living. And that caught my attention uh, at the end of that divorce process more so than any other time that I had read it before. And it felt like an invitation that time. And so it was like, okay, well, here goes nothing. Um, but I, I so love what you're talking about with the idea of identifying the roles that we play either to other people or the roles that they play for us and evaluating who we are outside of that way in which we might identify or show up in the world. Uh, that was a huge piece of the process mm -hmm. for me too. So I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the cool thing is, is once you realize that you don't need, like it, you're not missing anything, like dude, there's so much that you're capable of doing. And, and women in particular, like we are, we're over qualifiers. Like we, we, we tried to get, um, like well, we, we try to have our cup overflowing before we try to, to move 
forward in any direction. And it's, it's, it's different for men, like men. Um, and there were statistics I read recently where men will like go after a job that they are way underqualified for. Whereas women, like we get, like have to have like every single, um, check box or box checked that we, we are actually good enough for this, mm. um, before we will go after like any sort of position. And I, I really, recently like realized like, oh God, I've been doing that a lot. Like I feel like I have to um make sure that all of all of me is ready to move forward before I do anything. Uh, and I think that's why a lot of men are are, you know, in certain industries so far ahead of women because wow. they they will they they fill in all of their gaps with their 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 own um I guess ego, not, not in a negative way. Um, but with, whereas women, like we're always trying to, to make sure that, um, we're overprepared. Absolutely. And I think too, this idea of oftentimes we are the ones that fill in the gaps for other people. And mm-hmm. so we're constantly, you know, kind of shape-shifting who we are, what our skill set is, uh, you know, how we can be a value. And if we identify that value in the roles that we play or what we can accomplish, then at the end of the day, where does that leave us as just human beings for ourselves? Yes. Oh, I couldn't have put that better myself. <laughs> So, I'm so, so true. excited that we're getting a chance for this conversation though. I, and it's so funny because there's, there's things that I'm finding that we have in common that I didn't know that we had in common. Um, you know, just the idea of what that process was like for going through the divorce and kind of the detangling of all the things. Uh, and even for parenting, what has your experience been like in that transition of going from single mom into your second marriage and kind of rebuilding things as you're going, but you're also diving deeper into yourself in that process. How were you able to be there for you and also for your kids? And what does that look like for you now as a spiritual person parenting and trying to give them that open space that you mentioned earlier? Oh, well, you know, I, I, and I think this started out too when when my husband and I, my my husband now and I, we got married, and it was the whole concept of like, um, we want you to believe what you want to believe. So like, if you have questions, come to me. But otherwise, um, like, I will share what I'm doing, and I will share like if I'm meditating. I was sitting out in the backyard just a couple of days ago, leaning against a tree, and. I, my eyes were closed and I was just kind of in a peaceful place. And I, when I was done, I opened up and I looked over and my nine-year-old is just sitting there next to me, his little eyes closed. I didn't even hear him come up. And I was like, oh, hey, buddy, what are you doing? He's like, I'm meditating. I'm like, that's <gasps> amazing. And I've never told him that he has to do that. And like, I'll, like they, I really believe with our families and with really anybody that is around us, like they if they're interested in their being drawn to you, then they, they, they will ask the questions. They will just dive in and do it. And so with, with my kids, it really has been just focusing on like discovering myself and discovering my own spirituality and then like letting them come along for the ride if they want. And it, that has been the most beautiful thing to witness because I get to see them make the decisions of what's best for them. Mm. And they get to figure like, it's just so much more powerful when you can figure out that journey on your own rather than somebody telling you that this is the only way to do it. Mm. And I even think that with religion, like if you find, if you find God in, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> That's sorry okay. About that. You didn't read the sign. <laughs> One second. We are this in real funny. life here. No problem. Oh my God. Kid stuff. This is what happens in kids home. That was the nine-year-old I was just talking about. <laughs> I um, love it. <laughs> summer vacation. Um, but, um, but like, if you could just find, if you can find God like, and you stumble across a church that you love, fantastic. That's like, I think so much better than somebody handing you some sort of booklet and saying like, you know, if you want to go to heaven, you have to do this. And um, I think it's the same thing with my kids and, and even with Sparks, like with my, my daughter, I've got three boys and one girl and with creating this women's event and just, she comes to each one and like just her sitting there. And I think um, she's been coming since she was nine. So she's um, picks up on some things and I'm like, you know, she'll get what she wants to get out of it. But like, 
I'm like overhearing conversations with her and her friends now and like her talking about, um, you know, not caring what people think about her. And, and she's becoming like this, this little like positive influence influencer and um, and that's really just by making sure she's surrounded by you know positive influential people and I'm, I'm proud to say that I'm one of them mm-hmm. um, but it's definitely just been because I focused on on myself and what do they say with the when you're on an airplane like you know you put the mask on yourself before you do your kids well I say put the mask on yourself and then your kids will follow you like they will do what you do if it's in alignment with them mm-hmm. absolutely I love that and I found that that works just as well for generations in the opposite direction too. Uh, For me, you know, kind of as you were talking earlier, the separation that you and your mom have in terms of you each have your own set of beliefs and being able to hold space for that. I had, uh, you know, kind of a very similar process where there are some things that we still don't quite talk about yet because we haven't quite sorted out where everybody is in this, in this spectrum and kind of in this mess. (laughs) But at the same time for me personally, it's been, if I believe this to be true about someone outside my family, then it also has to be true for someone inside my family that I honor that individual journey. And if that takes Mm -hmm. them further in to an environment that I'm no longer a part of, then that is their right. That is their journey. That is their sacred experience. And I'm not going to be the one to, to try and argue against that or what have you. Um, so I love that idea, you know, coming back kind of full circle of living a life that is so in alignment with who you are and what you believe in such a way that just kind of leaves the door open. And it doesn't have to be, you know, this idea of living with, a doctrine that you are issuing out or that, you know, you're forcing this hard line, you just have a softness and an openness to just do good in the world and leave it at that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, and like with my, with my mom, like a a year ago, she would have been like, would have never even um, participated in um, anything that she would consider woo woo Um, (laughs) with my little air quotes up. Um, and I, I took her to a women's retreat that I was speaking at a few weeks ago. And like, I could see like some of the talks that people were talking, like she was very like skeptical and I was like, that's okay. Like just hang out, take what you want to take in. At least you're by, you're sitting here next to an infinity pool. Enjoy it. (laughs) And, um, there was a woman who did this sound healing with the Tibetan singing bowls Mm. over like 45 minutes. We're sitting there and just, um, you know, I, me, it was like in a deep meditative stay and there's like maybe 45 women there in my mom sitting next to me and my mom like I could hear her kind of like shifting around like you know she she doesn't meditate and so she's she's like what are these crazy women doing like this is because people were laying on the ground and stuff and afterwards this woman came up to us and she's specifically talking to my mom and she said I'm a psychic medium and while you know we were doing the sound healing um, there was a man that came to me and he was kind of waving his hands in my peripheral vision and I, so I let him in and he says that I'm supposed to share a message with you. And he's talking to my mom or she's talking to my mom. And um, my mom like looks at me like, oh my God, this lady. <laughs> and she says, do you know anybody named John? And my mom said, yeah, that's my dad's name. He just passed away two weeks ago. Mm. And well, he wants me to tell you that he is okay. And my mom just tears are flowing down her face and she's like, just she said that she like after hearing that she's felt a peace um, that she hasn't been able to feel since my grandpa passed away and like now it's so interesting like just because of that experience like I see a hypnotherapist to help me with certain things and now my mom is like well do you think when I come to town maybe I can see your hypnotherapist and maybe she can help me with this and I'm like absolutely and you know (sighs) in the background I'm doing like air fist punches, like jumping up and down excited because I knew I could, there's so many things I know that can help her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she finally read a book that I gave her and like, it's like I can see her starting to open up to some possibilities. And, and I don't think she needs to get rid of her religion. I just think she needs to, to be open to other things that could help her. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, cause I, I know her church family is part of her family and I think that's amazing. Like have a church family. That's wonderful. Um, but make sure that you're, you're just not closing off opportunity or possibility that can help you grow in your own spiritual path. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I got complete goosebumps and had to like blink back the tears on, thank you so much for sharing that. What a beautiful moment to be able to have with your mom. And I can only imagine just, you know, thinking of my mom, what her reaction would be in, in someone coming and saying, I'm a psychic medium and I have a message for you. Uh, I can imagine that there would have been some walls that she wanted to put up. And the fact that there was such a beautiful environment and that you were there with her that allowed her to accept that message. That's beautiful. Oh, it was, I mean, I get chills too, whenever I even think about it too. We were both bawling. And then of course my mom goes and she starts just calling all of my brothers and sisters and telling them. And so I'm like, oh, she's like, she's not putting, like she did let that wall down. It was really, yeah. really beautiful to see. And because she let that one wall down, others are starting to, starting to lower, maybe slowly, but they are. <laughs> That's amazing. That's such an exciting thing to be able to share together. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, my mom is somebody who's, who's, um, battles with depression and anxiety, and she takes a lot of different medication for it. And I have been, you know, trying to poke her to try some other modalities like hypnotherapy. And I've mentioned it to her before, like that could help you. And she's like, "That's crazy. I'm not doing that. I'd rather take the, I'd rather take this chemical concoction." Uh, and um, like now that like she's starting to think like, okay, maybe there's some other things that could actually help me. And understanding that a lot of this is in her mind and her own programming. God, I mean, if that, if this continues, I can't imagine like how much better her life could be just a few months from now, a year from now is, oh, it's, it's very such a beautiful idea. And isn't at the end of the day, isn't that really what this is all about? It's being able to do life together. And I know sometimes that becomes, you know, just that pat little answer that we say of, you know, what it is that we want to do in the world. We want to do good and we want to inspire change. And we just want to embrace the people that we're in this with. At the end of the day, though, for me, I feel like that's what this is all about. It's not living life in such a way that is only wrapped up in our own immediate little world that doesn't benefit other people. It's the idea that as we continue to grow, that we can turn around and inspire those that we are in life with and to encourage them in their own growth as well and just hold that space. Like this is the stuff that gets me all sorts of excited. <laughs> yes. Well, this actually reminds me of, of another story. I'm going to share it real quick. Um, so my, my daughter, who is 12 and a half, she came out as pansexual um, about, I don't know, three or four months ago. And if you don't know what pansexual was, like I didn't, I had no idea. I had to Google it. Um, the way that she explains it is, you know, she doesn't like male or female. She likes somebody based on their personality. And I was like, okay, well, that's beautiful. We have some family members that disagree with the fact that mm. this is, in fact, someone said like, oh, this is the reason why our country is going to hell. And <sighs> um, a family, another family member like didn't want to come visit because of this. Like they felt uncomfortable. Oh and I'm having to talk through this with my daughter and watching her process this was really, really amazing. She said, you know, I think maybe they just need a little more love in their life. Mm -hmm. And maybe we, maybe we could just maybe write a nice letter or share a card. And I was like, oh my God. Like, wow. <laughs> but like that would never have been able to happen. Like if... <laughs> And if, if, if like we told her like that, that she had to one, be a specific way. Like I felt so amazing that she felt even comfortable coming in and openly and like just sharing that. Yeah. Like it was like, I think I want to have eggs for breakfast, um, <laughs> which was really neat. But watching her be able to navigate through people that are trying to say like, if you don't fit in this box, you're going to hell. Um, like how mature is that, and again, I, I really hope that our next generation of kids are, are similar going up this way because um, it's going to eliminate a lot of the, the hate and a lot of the disconnection that we have with each other because of, of the, the labels, I think, that we put on each other through mm -hmm. our, through, through, and a lot of it is through our religious beliefs. Absolutely. I, once again, I couldn't agree with you more. And I just had the conversation. I've had it think three times this week alone of the excitement for this next generation to really come into their own and how much we're able to learn from them. And, you know, just this idea of 
a full acceptance in a way that I don't know that I ever experienced in, in my growing up in my generation, but just the conversations that they're able to have with each other and with us and just a completely different way of seeing things that's so refreshing and it's so exciting to be like, okay, when are you guys taking over? Right, <laughs> I know. Now? Now's a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. In fact, we just opened up Spark Junior tickets so people can like ages 13 to 18 can come for like a fraction of the cost. Oh, how fun. This like this generation, like, and one, I think it's, I think there's something to say about like our generation of parenting because we're allowing them to, to grow up in this way. Um, I think that they're going to be amazing in their kids, their kid, like our grandkids. I just, I can't even imagine um, how amazing it's going to be because they're, they're just so much more um, awakened than, than we are, um, than our, especially than our parents are. Uh, and I think like our generation are just like, a percentage of us have woken up to this. Right. And if it, the percentage just even grows by 10% with each generation, it's going to be, I mean, just world changing, world changing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that too. I think, especially for those of us who have gone through the work of, you know, first needing to understand who we were or who we are and, and all the different influences that we have experienced and whether or not those serve us moving forward. It's a very difficult process, this whole self-awareness, self-discovery, you know, thing. And then to do it in such a way that continues and then we continue to evolve and we continue to become this next version of ourselves doing that in a way that our kids can find themselves in the process and can embrace that for themselves, that can be really hard sometimes. So yeah. I love this as a, you know, kind of a huge cheerleader moment for all of the parents who are in this process, whether it's deconstructing your faith or reconstructing your faith or your identity or, you know, any of these different things we're talking about, that there's so much to gain by being fully present in this experience, even in the moments that can be really hard sometimes. Oh God. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I agree with that a hundred percent. I just have one, one complaint, Rachel. We have not dropped a proverb uh, expletive anywhere during our conversation. <laughs> we were talking before we started recording about the fact of like, hey, it's no problem. We can say what, because sometimes, you know, a well-placed curse word is the only thing that can really say what you need. But yes. like, how did, we, we managed to have an entire conversation that was pretty meaty and we didn't cast once. What's that, happened to us? That's so unlike <laughs> me. I don't know. It's maybe it's not noon yet. I don't know. It's, <laughs> um, yeah. And, and it's, uh, <laughs> and it, I, I'm glad we had the conversation when we first started because I was so excited that I could say a cuss word because I accidentally said a cuss word on a non-explicit show yesterday <laughs> and I felt so bad. Like, I, and I've just been groomed, groomed the wrong way now. That's too funny. Well, you know what? I think too about this idea of, there's a, a certain character, if you will, that gets cast in media, in society about the angry woman. And, you know, again, falling into stereotypes, there is an assumption made that a recovering church girl is angry and, you know, always is, is out to stir the pot or, you know, whatever. And it's like, mm, that's not actually the whole idea. And, and we can have expansive conversations that aren't anchored in the negative experiences, sometimes we need to go there and we need to get messy and we need to call out the, the kind of bullshit that's happening. There, we got our curse word in. There he is. You know, it's, it doesn't have to stay there. And I think that that's the piece where the growth really happens. We don't have to stay in the hurt and the mire and the exposure to the negativity or the patriarchal, you know, misogyny, all of these different things. We can grow past that. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, I, I mean, we as humans, we're not always meant to be high vibrational. We're not always meant to be happy, joyful, like, cause there's shitty stuff that happens in life. And, and we can actually be real. How, yeah. how refreshing is that? <laughs> right. We can say like, man, this fucking sucks. Um, but we don't stay down there. Like uh, we, we don't, you, you, and, and this is where I think people get stuck and something happens to them in their life or they get angry about something. Maybe they get angry at the church. Who knows? Like they, they're upset, but they stay down there for a long period of time because, <clears throat> excuse me, they don't, 
um, they don't know how to get out of it or they've mm-hmm. thought those thoughts so long that their, their subconscious programming is now keeping them at, a, at this, these low negative spots like hate and jealousy and all of that. Um, and like what I know now is that like we are, we're supposed to dip down, but not for very long. Like yeah. we are, we are also meant to come right back up. And the more you practice that, the more fluid it is and easy it gets. Absolutely. Uh, to raise your vibes. Absolutely. And I love that, that you are embracing the full spectrum because I think sometimes, you know, when you get into this work, there is, it's almost like the comparison model of Instagram. You know, when, when you're only looking at everyone's highlight reel and you're only seeing the vacation photos or, you know, whatever the case might be in the online entrepreneur space, and especially those that, you know, are in the, the spiritual space in, in some way, shape or form, everything becomes about that highlight reel and very little time is spent on the dark side or the shadow or, you know, getting down and dirty with ourselves enough to be able to see the growth pattern of where we've come from and have the tools necessary to climb back out again. So Mm. it's, it's a really refreshing conversation. And I think it's an important reminder to say, yeah, there is a spectrum to be had here. There is no expectation on us both internally or externally that we're supposed to have this all figured out. That's the joy of the experience that we're in. We get to play, we get to learn, we get to grow, we get to fail, we get to learn from that and we get to go again. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Well, you know, and I think too, I love that you mentioned the highlight reel because I think when we spend so much time focusing on sharing our highlights and we we spend so much time um, deciding like like what amazing things we are going to share um, it allows less space for us to be able to like break down the walls when we need to share the mm-hmm. the not so good stuff yeah. um, the stuff that like we hold in so much shame because we're so afraid to break the image of what we think people think of us but the problem is is like if everybody is just trying to show their best self and we're all secretly hiding like the shameful stuff inside i mean that's when like I think diseases happen. That's when like the depression happens, all the anxiety, because we're so afraid to show these vulnerable sides to ourselves. And I've definitely learned like whenever I share something now that, and we've done this a lot on the Flawed Females podcast, which has been this therapeutic process. Whenever we share with each other something that is very vulnerable, uh, we get like messages in from listeners all the time. Like, thank you so much for sharing that. Like, I feel like I can share, Mm. you know, that this happened to me now. And I was like, man, like we just all need to like start sharing our shit more often. Right, right. Like how freeing is it? It's so amazing. In fact, my, um, oh, actually I can't share it because she hasn't announced it yet. I have a friend (laughs) who was having um, a hard time having a baby and she went through um, a process where she had to release a lot of shame Mm. around a certain topic and she went and saw um, somebody who practices NLP and um, released a lot of, a lot of stuff. And um, girlfriend is now rocking a baby in her stomach and it's very exciting. Um, but I think there's like so much stuff can be like solved if we just share those, those deep, dark, icky parts, the secrets that we have. Yeah, absolutely. And, And what beauty is there in the midst of it all and just that vulnerability, you know, we're all craving that it's not only, in our relationships with each other. But I think in many ways, we're craving that kind of vulnerability with and from ourselves. And so often we keep ourselves so busy that we don't take the time to really say, you know what, this sucks (laughs) or, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, whatever it is that's happening, because we think that we need to hustle more or we need to, you know, fulfill some perceived idea of what this is supposed to look like instead of just embracing what really is in front of us. And I I love that we talked earlier about the idea of the power of affirmations and of visualization, because I am a hundred percent on board with all of that. And at the same time, there's a place to honor where you are on the way to where you're going. It's not that, you know, you deceive yourself necessarily. It's that it comes, I think, in combination together. It's understanding where you are, what has led you to where you are, and then kind of claiming that power back again to shape your future. You get to run the spectrum on both sides, both past and future. And I think sometimes people don't 
realize that they have that power. And it's about how you use your mind, how you use your body and the kind of relationships you have, whether you're embracing this kind of vulnerability or if you're hiding from yourself in that kind of space as well. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And you know, it's the, it's, it, it, the stuff sounds so simple. It sounds so simple to do. Doesn't I'm, it though? <laughs> but it's, it's so freaking easy not to do. It's, yeah. It, and it's, uh, and like the, the concept of just like affirmations and journaling and all of that. I'm like, that's way too easy. That's way, way too, you're telling me I can, I can like fill up my bank account with money through affirmations, please. <laughs> um, well, let me tell you this. I grew my income by 700% last year. Thank you, affirmations. <laughs> um, and it's funny because my husband, and we have a, a very different beliefs as well. And my, my husband um, used to kind of tease me a little bit like about writing, um, Writing that, so in my gratitude journal, <clears throat> excuse me, I write down things that I'm grateful for, but things that I'm grateful for that I don't have yet that are on their way. I love that. That's one of my favorites. I'm so grateful now that dot, dot, dot. <laughs> exactly. And like I wrote down, I think it was like last July, and I'm like, I want to have an additional, like I think it was like $80,000 in my bank account by the end of the year. And this is like last July. And at this time, I think I like, made like, I don't know, $40,000. And, um, I kind of forgot about it. I wrote it down and kind of forgot about it. When I was doing my taxes this year, I was writing down, like like, having to figure all this stuff out. And all of a sudden I looked at the number and I'm like, no way. (laughs) I dug through the journal and I found it and I went to my husband and I showed him the journal and I showed him like the tax documents. And I'm like, what do you think about those affirmations now? (laughs) And his eyes got really big. He's like, did you really make that much money? And I'm like, Yeah. And he's like, can you add another zero onto that? That's <laughs> and uh, I think, it's, and that's again, like just by showing, showing the example by, by doing it and then people will get interested, even if it's the most skeptical of people because they, they want to be happy too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love all of this and I love that we finally got a chance to connect. Uh, Thank you so much for not only making time for this, but just for really showing up in all that you are in this moment with me. I'm so grateful for it. Oh, I, this has been one of my favorite conversations that I've had this entire month. So thank you for that. I'm really (laughs) glad it happened, Tanya. And I hope that if anybody's listening and they want to do an in-person meet, let's go to Spark this year, September 21st and 22nd here in Portland, Oregon. And I absolutely love that. And we will be sure to post the, uh, the link in awesome. our show notes as well. And especially with the idea of the Spark Junior, I think that that's so exciting. And yes. That and we have two junior speakers this year as well. We've got, fun. We've got seven grown-up speakers and then we've got um, two under 16-year-old speakers. That oh are my goodness, I love it. Oh, that's going to be amazing. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much. I can't wait to jump in and check all this out. And uh, I'm also going to be hopping over to the Flawed Females podcast and adding that as a new subscriber. You'll see that this afternoon. (laughs) Well, we'll have to get you on as a guest as well. We're just now starting to gear up to take guests. How fun. I would love that. Well, this has been really, really wonderful. And for those of you who are listening, as always, my request, I mean, as much as like the rates and subscribes are awesome and I'm so grateful. I'd really love for you to share this conversation with someone that you want to have kind of in this journey together so that you guys can do this in community. Message us, like however we can be of value and of assistance, we're happy to do so because that's the idea. We are in this together and I hope that you can find yourself in our stories. So Rachel, thank you again and we will talk to you guys so soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.